Over the past few weeks, we have been acquainting ourselves with a number of passages from the book of Acts. We have settled around certain personalities that challenge us and inspire us even to this day. Certainly, today's passage is no different as we consider the ministry of the Apostle Paul. We read today from the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. Let's uh, hear this as it, uh, as it is contained uh, there in, in Holy Scripture. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the, ro- took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have uh, not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. This is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to it. May God be with us all. As I said just a moment ago, we've spent the past few weeks highlighting a number of personalities from the the book of Acts. Those personalities helped to provide leadership to the early New Testament church. We've deemed those uh, individuals as champions of the church. We have talked about the wisdom of Gamaliel, the courage of Stephen, the conversion of Saul, the faith of Cornelius, the devotion of Timothy, the servant's heart that Priscilla and Aquila had, and and of course the zeal of Apollos. All of these and so many others just like them helped the early church become the force that it was for God's kingdom. The influence of these champions of the church is still with us today. They inspire and challenge us to no end. In spite of the hardships that they faced, these people still persevered. In the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to do great things. If you will remember, we began this series with a discussion about the Holy Spirit. We did so on Pentecost Sunday. We called the Holy Spirit the greatest champion of them all. 
The Holy Spirit not only gave the church its birth, but empowered it to expand throughout the world. That same Spirit empowers us even to this day. We wrap up this series today by considering one last champion, that of the Apostle Paul. The influence of the Apostle Paul is rippled throughout the centuries, and I'll have to admit that he has had a profound influence upon my life and my spiritual growth. Paul's devotion to Jesus was uncompromising. His zeal in spreading the gospel was without equal. Paul gave his all for the sake of winning one more soul to Jesus. Paul has been called the greatest evangelist of all time, and for good reason. Last week, if you remember, we uh, talked about Apollos' resume and how Apollos brought a, a lot to the table. Paul brought even more. In Philippians 3, uh, verses 4 through 8, Paul writes about himself and his many, many accomplishments. All of those accomplishments before meeting Jesus and how after meeting Jesus, Paul was willing to give all of that up, that long resume of, of distinguished accomplishments. He was ready to, to put that aside. Hear what Paul writes. If anyone thinks he has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, and as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul was completely sold out to Christ, and his every desire was to know him more. Paul was willing to lay aside all that he had accomplished in his life up to that point in order to know Jesus more fully and in order to spread his word more effectively. It was Paul who said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the, and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Later in Philippians 3.12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own willing to lay it all aside and to press forward in order to allow Christ to live in him and through him in every way. For us laying everything down, for us getting everything out of the way, is the beginning of, of letting Jesus take charge. Strive, striving to know him more puts us at the very place Jesus wants us to be. Paul knew that what God did for him in Christ was a matter of grace. He knew that he had been profoundly affected by the very grace of God, first, last, and, and everywhere in between. I've said often that, that Paul was a, a grace man. He, uh, 
he certainly lifted up the, the grace of God through Jesus Christ. He did so because he had experienced to the very core of his being that very grace. Paul had been overwhelmed by the free gift of God's love. He knew he didn't deserve anything God had done for him. In fact, Paul would, would write in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his great grace toward me was not in vain. Paul knew that his salvation and the salvation of others, for that matter, who had given their lives to, to Jesus was a matter of grace. He writes that great passage from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of, of, uh, not the result of works so that, that no one may boast. For by the grace of God you have been saved through faith. God's grace had so overwhelmed Paul that his life was literally changed. That's the way it is when, when grace comes, when our hearts are open, and that grace comes uh, spilling in. We can't help but, but be different. God's unmerited love comes our way, the free gift of His love touching us at the very depth of our souls to the end that our lives are turned and made different. God can have the same effect on you and me. You and I are so, um, uh, so prone to, to, to strive, but yet in God's grace, we are awakened to a, to a new way. We are awakened to that free gift, a gift that we do not earn. We figure, though, in, in a lot of cases that we have to earn God's favor, but yet as God's favor is presented, we know that is not the case. Nothing could be further from the truth. We do not have to earn. It is God's love, His grace is freely given. What God did in Jesus is a free gift that is offered to each and every person. My friend and mentor, Dr. Emil McAdams, in talking about the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ, once said, if people would just grasp the concept of grace, this world would be a much different place. It would be different because every person would be different. I have never forgotten that and have tried to live in the same ever since. In considering Paul's life and work, we could have picked out any number of passages from the book of Acts. I found myself, though, drawn to Acts 19, verses 1 through 12. It's a great summary of what Paul was about, a great example of the sort of ministry that, that Paul had. It is representative of the many times where Paul stood strong and tall for the good news that was Christ. In Acts 19, Paul was just beginning his third missionary journey. Eventually, Paul sets up a shop, if you will, in Ephesus. He followed a, a repeated strategy that he had done from town to town. Paul first made a practice to speak with the Jews, and then he would speak with the Gentiles. 
Upon arriving in Ephesus, Paul encountered some followers. The scripture records that it was a, about 12 men in all who had not yet heard about the Holy Spirit. Just like uh, Apollos last week, theirs was the, the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance. They had not yet experienced the full salvation of God through, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul began to share about that salvation, lifting out the good news of, of Jesus Christ, and certainly shared about the free gift of that good news, the fact that God's grace was evident. Paul baptized those men in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on them so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. Their experience became much like that which took place on, at, at Pentecost. Upon receiving the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. They began to prophesy. From there, Paul went to the local synagogue. He began to preach and, and teach. He began to, to, to reason with those uh, who uh, were in attendance. He did that for the next three months. Whoever would listen, Paul would lay out the good news about Jesus. He, they would have banner back and forth, all with the intent of those persons being one to Christ. Some received the gospel and others didn't. Those who, who didn't went out and they began to, to stir up trouble. Even to the place where, where Paul left the synagogue and, and began to, to set up uh, his, his preaching and, and teaching in what was called the, the, the Hall of uh, Tyrannus. It was a, a lecture hall, and people who went there were used to having dialogue on all sorts of subjects. In a word, Paul was willing to go anywhere anybody would listen, and not just listen, but also respond. As the Scripture reports, Paul taught there for some two years, it must have been a tremendous fruit that was born, not only there in Ephesus, but for the whole of Asia Minor. God did wonderful, amazing things through Paul's ministry as he preached and taught and dialogued there in the hall of Tyrannus. There's some things that we can take away from this passage as we consider Paul's ministry there in Ephesus. First, Paul was adamant about presenting the whole gospel. He refused to water things down. Paul refused to, to leave things out. As we said just a moment ago, the 12 men Paul initially encountered didn't have the full story. They had failed to experience the fullness of what God was now doing through Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was more than able and certainly more than willing to share that good news, to tell the full story. Things didn't stop with the baptism of John. God had a much broader plan, and Paul was ready to share it. Those 12 who Paul first encountered upon arriving in Ephesus not only received the good news about Jesus, but they also received the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul didn't cut any corners. He presented the whole of the gospel it's important that we note that. It's also important that we note that there was no cutting corners when it came to receiving the same. 
those 12 men received the full salvation of Jesus Christ. Those 12 received the very power and presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There is no time like the present for you to receive what God has to offer you through Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. Just as with those men who were not willing to cut any quarters when it came to hearing the full story, they found themselves open-hearted, ready to receive, and may the same be said of us, that as God's grace comes, again by grace, you are saved through faith. As we exercise faith in Christ, relationship is begun. There is no time like the present to establish that relationship in Jesus Christ. That brings us to a second point. Paul was not only adamant about sharing the whole gospel, but he was willing to take as much time as necessary to ensure that that gospel took hold. Paul was in Ephesus a long time. In fact, he was there two years and three months, the Scripture reports. It was the longest stay of, uh, of any along any of his missionary journeys. Paul was willing to stay as long as needed to make sure that the gospel was taking hold. And evidently, there was great fruit being born, whether it was there in the synagogue or there in the hall of Tyrannus or just Paul going about his business. There was good fruit being born for God's kingdom, and hence, he stays there for that over two-year period. You and I would do well to take note of that. We, too, need to take as much time as necessary investing in people. I found that ministry happens most effectively over time. Ministry is, is, is best built one relationship at a time. And it takes time and energy to, to build those sort of relationships. As we know, trust doesn't happen overnight, nor does relationship. Just like Paul, we need to stay at it when it comes to ministry. There is no greater investment that any of us could make than to invest in the lives of people. That brings us to a third point. We need to stay at it in spite of any inconvenience that may present itself. As we mentioned just a a moment ago, while in Ephesus, Paul spent the majority of his time preaching, teaching, and having dialogue with people in, in what was called the Hall of Tyrannus. Paul did that primarily uh, in the afternoons when, when people could, could take a break from their work. You see, the temperatures in that region of the world were such that, that people didn't work in the heat of the afternoon. The word for you and me here is that ministry doesn't always happen at the most convenient times. While some were taking a break, while some were even taking a a nap, a rest from their labors, Paul met with those who were interested. And undoubtedly, there were some that were, in fact, interested, who were willing to sacrifice what time they had off, what opportunity they could have taken for other things, and they listened to the good news that Paul had to share. John Wesley, the founder of the Wesleyan movement, is famously remembered for preaching uh, every morning at at 4 a.m. 
uh, as the miners went into the coal mines. Wesley sought the, the, to, to spread the gospel regardless of the, of the inconvenience. It shouldn't be lost on us that, that Paul was willing to go to any lengths, even to lengths that were inconvenient, to share the gospel. But it shouldn't also be lost on us that, that those who gathered in that hall of Tyrannus were, were also inconvenienced. You know, they were giving up their free time. They could have been doing other things. But they chose to hear the gospel. Their willingness to be a, a little inconvenienced speaks volumes to our generation. You know, we, we hate to be inconvenienced, even when it comes to church. Those of the early New Testament church were, were not that way. Faith for them was not a bother. It, it, it was a joy. It was the very thing that, that gave them life. Church was not an inconvenience. It was something they wanted to do. It was something they, they needed to do. Getting together with a, a common band of uh, believers strengthened them not only for this life, but also strengthened them for the life to come. I pray that you and I have the same resolve. That we don't let the petty inconveniences of this life get in the way of us engaging one another getting in the way of us growing individually, but us also standing to to help others to grow as well. Lastly, it it shouldn't be lost on us that God did great things through Paul. In fact, this uh, section of Scripture shares of of great uh, signs and wonders that took place because of God's good work through Paul. The Scripture reports any number of miracles that took place. In fact, the, the Scripture even shares of, uh, of handkerchiefs and, and, of, and of aprons that, that Paul wore or used, and they would be, uh, would be divvied out to those who were ill or, other, or those otherwise infirmed, and those people would be healed upon touching those articles. It wasn't Paul who did all this, but it was God. Paul was simply God's conduit. That's the way it is when fruit is born for God's kingdom. You see, God does the work. We only make ourselves available. Acts 19.6 states that Paul placed his hands on them, talking about the, the, the 12 men, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. God is always on the lookout for hands he can put to good use. Left to ourselves, we will be able to do very, very little. We probably all experience that. But when we get out of the way and let God do His thing, when we let God work through us, great things begin to take place. That's the way it was for Paul, at one who counted it all as refuse for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as Lord. That's the way it was for all the other champions of the church. Christ was number one. And a sharing of the good news that had so struck their lives was was their very reason for, for being. Those people got out of the way and let God do His thing. May the same be said for you and me as we seek to also be 
champions of the church, champions of God's great love and great power for this present day. May the Lord bless us to that end. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, uh, we do pray that you would use us, that you would uh, set us to uh, rejoice in your grace, to live as people who have been uh, touched by grace. We pray, Lord, that we get out of the way. We pray that you work through us, empower us, to the end that fruit is born for your kingdom. Lord, we entrust ourselves to you. We pray that uh, your good work would be evident in and through each and every one of our lives, in and through the life of this church as we band together seeking to share your good love through Jesus Christ, as we seek to, uh, to live out and live in the very power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we, uh, we offer this prayer in the name of Christ. Moreover, we offer ourselves in the name of Christ. Do with us what you will. This prayer we make in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.